0: Alright, let's do this. How are you, what the fuckers? What the fuck, buddies? What the fuck, nicks? What's happening? This is uh, Mark Maron. This is my pie. I'm Mark Maron. How's that? This is, this is, he is Mark Maron. He is, uh, Mark Maron is talking about himself now. This is Mark. I'm Mark. This is WTF. How are you? How's that thing on your head? Were you able to get a haircut? This is no time to buy shoes, is it? I don't know what you're thinking with that. Did your cake come out all right? I know some of you were inspired to outdo me with your cake experiences. Well, I hope your cake made it. I did make some uh, beef stew and cornbread. I'm going to honor the fall of mankind. (laughs) I'm going to have a fall. This is one of the things that I always miss about living in a place that has well-defined seasons, is that I, I miss the fall. I miss going outdoors in the fall. I miss that crispness in the air. I miss the heaviness of the, uh, of the sky, and, the, and but the beautiful light of the fall and the colors and just the breathing in that kind of cold air and knowing that you're wearing a couple layers and you got your boots on. I miss it. But as soon as it gets just a little chilly in Los Angeles, as soon as that desert chill starts coming over uh, over us here, I put my beanie on. I was wearing my tweed jacket today. I got my uh, whites boots and my Filson pants. I got my flannel shirt on and I layered up and I sat out on my porch and it felt kind of fallish. I can't even... Explain to you. I think some of you know. Fall people know. Maybe it's because I was born in the fall. That's what some people say. Because I, it it really moves me. It changes my whole disposition. I guess there's a nostalgia trigger. I can't really explain the poetry of it. But somebody told me that it's if you were, you have a relationship with the season you're born into. And that seemed to make good sense to me. Uh, I, I'll take it. I'll, I'll, I'll take it. Today on the show, I talked to Melinda Hill. Melinda Hill is a comedian, and uh, you might know her stand-up. You, she's also been on a lot of comedy shows like Reno 911 and the Sarah Silverman program, and she founded uh, a show we all used to do around here called What's Up, Tiger Lily? Uh, it was at the uh, the old UCB with Maria Bamford and Natasha Leggero, and it was actually at a Cuban restaurant, I believe, originally, and then it kind of moved around the places. Uh She's got a new special out called Melinda Hill, Inappropriate. And uh, I've known her forever. And she's one of those people where I'm like, what's she up to? Where you been? How you been? And she actually came over here and we did a partitioned conversation. I put my plexiglass up and uh, we did the thing. And it was good. It was good. We talked for a long time about deep shit and uh, I love her. And she did. And I want to set this up at the beginnings before you forget. She did want to make sure that you all knew that uh, she gets along with her parents we have a conversation about parents and uh she just wanted to make it clear that she's okay with her folks okay all right all right i just want to get that out of the way i wanted to give you a heads up to a thing here um someone who's been on this show a great comedy writer funny person merrill marco uh, she's been on in the past. She's one of the original writers for the original David Letterman show, and she's written this this book. She's written a lot of stuff, but uh, this is a very unique and personal undertaking she's she's done here. She's she's written a graphic novel memoir. It's called uh, We Saw Scenery: The Early Diaries of Meryl Marco, and it's hilarious and it's personal. It's uh, great writing from one of the funniest people out there. And she did her own illustrations, so it's got a very. The whole thing is a very personal undertaking, and it's great. Uh, again, it's called the Early Diaries of Merrill Marco. Um, we saw scenery is the name of the book, so you can check that out wherever you get your books. All right. So, nostalgia is what we're talking about. The fall. Where does it take you? I've thought about this idea before. You know, it's it's very hard to look forward with any you know reasonable speculation or excitement or hope. No matter what happens, we're heading for difficult times. COVID is out of control, the uh, government's in chaos and malignancy, people are terrified, the economy's buckling. So it's not like you can go like, Man, I can't wait till what? You can't wait until what? till this disease is gone till this president's gone till things like start to function again normally well i don't know when that's going to fucking happen so it's been i think a normal thing at this point is you know people are just churning through the past churning churning through their past in terms of memories going through stuff a lot of organizing going on reflection and then churning through the past of entertainment because that's what's available to us but I always start to worry about nostalgia. I worry about hanging on to nostalgia. I like looking back and, and at least seeing the evolution of different choices I've begun to make in my life to maybe be a different person. I try to have hope. But I used to have this idea, it was a concept that that I tried to make a bit, but it just never worked. because it's based on the idea of your life flashing before your eyes. You know, they say that when you die, Right before you die, your life flashes before your eyes. And I always thought, like, well, how long does that take? Is that hap- does it happen like quickly or is it like a year? You know, because once you start reflecting or, or living in the past or being nostalgic about something, you know, or like when old people say it was a different time, they wistfully say, oh, it's a, it was a different time. Is that the beginning of your life flashing before your eyes? When does that happen? It's hard to stay engaged because the present is terrifying, but uh, be careful not to get too nostalgic because it may be your life flashing before your eyes. I guess that's the warning. been doing a lot of cooking. Did I mention that? Made some beef stew. Did I mention that? The beef stew? Don't get too nostalgic. I know for the fall, man, I bought some apples. There's something about it, man. Something about the fall. Eating a crisp apple, looking at a pumpkin, Wearing a sweater, breathing in, maybe a slight hint of a, a fireplace in the distance. Or if you live out in L.A., the entire state on fire. Man, it smells like fall. All of Northern California is smoldering. What the fuck, man? I was going to go on a hike the other day. The air was too shitty again. And the where I hike caught fire. I was lucky I didn't go. I always wondered about that. What do you do? You always got a plan in your head. But usually those plans are about as as good as like when you were younger and you thought, hey, if this elevator cable broke, I could just jump up right before it hits and then land safely. Yeah. I got a plan from on the mountain and it catches fire. I'll just go up to that area where there's no trees and lay down. No good. No bueno. You better run, man. So, Yeah. The fall, nostalgia. I had dreams again. I had a Lynn Shelton dream. And um, it's heavy, man. But it's good. I'm trying to see them as good. I'm trying to see them as visits. My grief has been sort of, it's sort of turned into kind of a, a baseline sadness. But But I had this dream. I've been doing these Instagram lives. I say some shit about some people occasionally. I try to maintain a certain amount of diplomacy, but, you know, sometimes my real feelings come out tempered, but true. But I said something about somebody in a show. But it was just this old sort of weird kind of gnawing resentment that you know it's been worked over it's i'm not it's not active but the, that guy uh, from radio lab jad but he once said something to a friend of mine at an event about me and not knowing it was my friend that got back to me and it kind of gave me it kind of stuck in my craw forever so i was just telling the story but the dream was like in the dream I was looking at my phone and there was an incoming call from Radiolab. And I was like, oh no. And Lynn was just there. She was just right in my face. And she was smiling, she's like, what did you do? What? Did, why Why don't you wanna answer the phone? What did you do? And she's looking at me smiling, like knowing that I did something wrong. And I'm like, what? And she was just sort of like, what did you do? And her face was right up near my face and I, put my hands and I grabbed her cheeks and I just held her face and I said uh, I said I miss you I miss you and um, and she 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 walked uh, a, a few feet away and she goes it's it's real it's real or this is real I don't know which and I don't know what she was referring to Was she referring to the visit or was she referring to her being gone? I don't know. But it did, you know, soften me and it made me realize, you know, it was that energy. Like, what did you do? What, Mark, don't come on, Mark. Oh, come on. She was such a a big hearted person, big spirit. And I have to be careful not to let mine close up. I have to be careful not to let my heart close up. I have to be careful, you know, not to, you know, to be angry and resentful and mean again. I do, I do miss her. And I do like, uh, I do like uh, those visits. And I am really trying to actively make her memory a blessing. So. Melinda Hill is my guest and her new special Melinda Hill inappropriate is available now on Amazon Prime, Apple TV, YouTube and most other video on demand platforms can also get the audio version on most streaming music platforms. And uh, and I've I've known her for a long time. She's always been on the periphery, if not right in front of me, probably going on. 18 years she's just always been around I've always been like you know what have you been doing you know and it was this is really the first time we talked like this Uh, this is me talking to Melinda Hill look
1: I wore this in honor of you
0: Cat Sabbath, thank your Cat Sabbath How many? Do you have cats? You got one?
1: Yeah, I have the one. Just the one? Yeah.
0: Did you have more?
1: I would like to get give him a little friend.
0: How long have you had this one?
1: This one, uh, Stardust, is is about four years
0: old. So, but she's been alone the whole time. Do you do you find? See, this guy used to have the old ones, so I feel like he's longing.
1: Oh yeah.
0: And it makes me sad. Like I, I'm like, is he does he need somebody?
1: That's how I feel. I ask him all the time. I'm like, Do you need a little friend? Should mm. I get you a little another kitten? Yeah. Um And do
0: you feel like you get responses? What are you feeling like uh, she's saying?
1: Well it's a he. Okay. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Stardust is a he. I'm sorry, I should have asked first. How does he identify? Is it a they?
1: <laughs> it's a he and he believes he's a lion. Mm. So he's not really a cat. Okay. But uh, I, I'm not really sure if he would like another one. Well, that's the risk you take, right? If you get another one, that you don't know like if they other? get a, get along.
0: Well, mine, I know my guy. I know how he behaves. He's a bully and he's a fucker and he used to beat up on the old man. Okay. No respect for age, this cat. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and it was like it, it was a problematic because when Monkey got old and sick, this guy just was like jumping on him. I was like, dude. So he was actually, I neglected him. Hmm. So this is the first time because he's, ever since he was, I got him, I had the old cats and he was always sort of the third banana. So now he's got all my attention and he's turning into this other kind of cat, it's kind of wild.
1: Like a, like a happier cat.
0: He's just becoming more friendly, a little more open, a little more connected. Cause when I got one cat, if I'm focused on a cat, I'm checking in all the time, you know, don't you?
1: Yeah. Yeah. For sure, I mean...
0: Right, you walk in, you're like, what's up? Hi. Yeah, where yeah. are you? Yeah, yeah. But when you have a couple, or you're focused on the old guy, my old guy, Yeah, you know, Buster was always like, Le-, I was, it was just sort of like, leave him alone. Leave him alone. Like, stop it. So that was the relationship. But now it's sort of like, hey, buddy. All the time. <laughs> and he doesn't... I don't think he knows what to do with it.
1: Where Where did you get him?
0: He showed up. He was eating on the porch of my old house, wild and fucked up and crazy. Oh,
1: okay. okay. But it-, he, it
0: wasn't quite... I don't think he was feral. I think someone you know, he someone had gotten him, had him for a little while, and then he got out, and he okay. was in the wild. But he's only a couple months old. But he was fast and crazy, and living in the wild. Yeah, it's crazy, like this little fucking. He's a tough little fucker.
1: Ah, oh, I always tell Stardust. I, yeah. I remind him of the story that you know he the origin was, story. The origin story, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I tell it to him like a bedtime story. Mm-hmm. I'm like, you were rescued from the Downey shelter. And
0: Downey. What were you doing there?
1: Well, m- several friends knew I wanted a cat. Maria yeah. Bamford took me to the Pasadena right. shelter to get one. And yeah. they didn't have any kittens available that day, oh. weirdly. So my other friend, Beth, took me to the Downy shelter. Oh. And that's where I found this little guy. And he was in a cage with a bunch of rapscallions who were like going nuts on the cage. Yeah. And-, and he was the little demure one.
0: Oh. And you got him. Yeah. That's nice and it worked out?
1: Yeah. He he's part part time rep Scallion. Oh good. He concealed it that day. Yeah. But um generally he's very demure and sweet.
0: Putting on a show. Wanting to get out. <laughs> yeah. Get me out of here, lady. Yeah. I got your number.
1: Yeah. <laughs> exactly.
0: We had an old cat back when I when when Mishnah and I moved here, we had that butch cat and then that died. But we had gotten that cat another cat, boomer and and i picked the craziest cat in the place cuz we went to some shelter it was a, it wasn't like a city shelter but it was one where it just seemed like most of the cats were cats that people got tired of like all the cats looked like they were over 10 and clearly looked like other people's cats <laughs> but this one there was one that was just out of his mind i'm like that one and i didn't realize it <laughs> until i trapped these other guys that that fucking guy was completely feral completely feral
1: oh wow so like what was the training process like bringing him into You can't
0: break him down. These other ones that I had aren't you maybe in a decade you can get them to sit on your lap or something. But you can't pick them up. They're tweaked all the time. But you know, you get used to them. I have I've had three feral cats like real feral cats now in my life. For me they're good because you got to fight for it. <laughs> you know, there's a distance there. There's aggressive boundaries. You know? <sighs> Yeah. Uh, that's a, and the, like when I get cats that are just sort of like loving, fat little cats, I'm like, got oh, a little self-respect. Jesus, look <laughs> at you. <laughs> oh my God. Come pull it together. <laughs> but like I was thinking about our past, how long I've fucking known you. Yeah. It's kind of crazy.
1: It really is. Right? Yeah.
0: I always want, like whenever I see you, I'm like, what has she been doing? <laughs> my god <laughs> I fr- melinda what have you been where are you? Where have you been? what have you been doing
1: uh-huh
0: oh that's the feeling I get now now you've got this special coming out yeah, what's it called?
1: It's called inappropriate where'd you do it? I did it down the street in Hollywood, well down the street from me not you yeah.
0: what do you mean what place
1: it's a it's in theater row it's mm. called. Oh, my ribs theater. on Santa Monica, yeah,
0: that weird little theater row, yeah. <laughs> oh, what is going on down there?
1: <laughs> I think there's like a lot of plays happening there, a lot of
0: but it's always like, you know, like what is ha- it's like it's been there forever, <laughs> yeah. I've done stand up shows there, you know, at one point or another, but I'm just like there's there's not much theater in l a and I just always wonder how those places work. Do people just rent them out? Did you just rent it out? Yeah, did you do a run there before?
1: You know, I thought we considered it, but uh I just no I just did two two shows in one night and taped it
0: So you shot it yeah with uh two three cameras uh I think there were three pulled three. you pulled the crew together
1: yeah <laughs> exactly yeah
0: and you, and did you use uh, both shows or just the one?
1: You know, the second one was pretty unusable, so it's primarily the that, first
0: one. Isn't that always what happens? Yeah. I, like, yeah. That happens, like, you always shoot the two, and rarely, I, in my experience, I haven't used a lot of the other one.
1: Yeah, no, we just mostly went with the first one, and Comedy Dynamics is putting it out, and mm. it's coming out October. So you just
0: did a deal with them after yeah. the fact?
1: Well, I had I made a list of... Places that do specials, and I thought I would just go down and call the people on the list, and they were the like the first name, and they just took it. So I didn't go to any other names.
0: Good for you, be a fighter. Really, <laughs> go ahead and get what you want. Don't let anyone walk all over you, Melinda. Wait, the first people wanted. Let's take it, right? We take it, right? <laughs>
1: well Maria because I'm really good friends with Maria Bamford and she had just done her special with them and she was like they're amazing yeah you know so it was like a glowing endorsement so she
0: was championing you a bit did she bring you into them no I just wrote them myself you wrote them yeah no management (laughs) no (laughs) so what was the deal a handshake okay you're like "Will will you guys distribute this sure do I get any money we'll see oh sounds perfect (laughs) <laughs> Take it.
1: No, I, I I had a lawyer and oh, I, I did a deal. And, oh good. You know, good. There was so, a negotiation. Oh good. And so it was
0: real show business. Yeah.
1: A, <laughs> I didn't just.
0: You didn't say, send them a handwritten letter.
1: I didn't just send them the beta tape and say, uh, you know, <laughs>
0: the beta tape. <laughs> well,
1: I wish for the wish for the best.
0: <laughs> good. Well, that's good. So now, but this is it's your first special. Yeah. But you've done CDs or, yeah, I feel like you have. Not.
1: I did a few um, CDs back in the day.
0: Few CDs back in the day. <laughs> yeah. Selling them at the club. <laughs> 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 right?
1: Oh <my> God. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, this was supposed to happen years before, supposed to air quotes. Um, you know, it was purchased by. Uh, the chill. Special, yeah do you remember that company chill no okay so they made maria's other special um the, the
0: one she did in front of her parents the one with
1: the parents yeah. which i love mm. and then they did like ari shaffir's and greg proops and stuff and uh we had a deal with them i was at brilstein at the time and um and then they folded the whole company
0: folded chill was a production company
1: yeah and then i was with anonymous content and they were also making uh, after brilstein after Bill Stan was with with Anonymous, was making then a special with them. That didn't go through. And so now I just did it on my
0: own. You're a persevering woman.
1: (laughs) Well, and I also feel like if it had happened at those times, it wouldn't have been the same special. It's a much better special now. How so? Well, (laughs) um, at those times, it probably would have been A series of funny dating stories gone wrong, Mm. which are always entertaining, but now there's a more thorough narrative Mm. arc, and I've learned more as a person. Mm. And there's, it's, this one's about healing trauma um, so that we don't continue to recreate it. And so, oh, really? So it's it's
0: like an EMDR special?
1: It's got, it's a very.
0: (laughs) Do you have to watch it? You have to move your head? Do you have to move your eyes when you watch it back and forth? (laughs)
1: <laughs> Someone should do that. That would be revolutionary. Um, it typically, it actually is. It actually is. A, it's a. It's about when I went to EMDR and really? healed my trauma. Yeah.
0: Holy shit. Yeah. Well, that's well, okay. Well, good. And okay.
1: so it's. It's. I feel like it's got a much stronger message now because I have more healing as a person. Well,
0: where'd you come from? <laughs> like where? where like where, where did you like? Because like when I got here, when I got back here. In 2002, and I was desperately trying to, you know, plant myself here. You know, I wasn't really known, but you had a room early on, right? Yeah. Like, way early on. It was like a box, right? I tried, was it in a mall
1: <laughs> it was a box. In a, it was a box. Exactly. It was a box in a mall. Uh, let's see. I had first. I had several. Oh,
0: wait. Where'd you come from?
1: Okay. So I was born in Hutchinson, Kansas.
0: Kansas. You're like mm-hmm. a Kansas person. Yeah. Where's Hutchinson? Hutchinson is Hutchinson. Yeah. Hutchinson
1: or yeah. or Hutch.
0: Hutch. Oh, as for- the locals
1: might <laughs> refer to it.
0: Um, when they say how many high schools are in Hutchinson,
1: I don't actually know because we only lived there like two months.
0: Mm, so you got out. Don't have it? a
1: lot of info about it, but it's a small oh. town in Kansas. Right.
0: So that's that's where you were born. Mm-hmm. And then where where did you grow up?
1: Well, so we moved twenty seven times. What
0: the fuck? <sighs> Military or just running away?
1: My dad. <clears throat>
0: Was he a criminal?
1: I would say both. <laughs> My, I would say both. My dad was military, he was Navy, and yeah. he was bipolar.
0: Ooh, exciting. And he
1: loved to move on a bipolar high.
0: My dad did that. What? Sure, yeah.
1: Really? How many times?
0: When he destroyed his wife and hit the road? I don't know. Let's see. I'm trying to think. So the started in Albuquerque. He was in Victoria, Texas, Warsaw, New York, um Muscatine Iowa um I don't remember like there was at least 4 or 5 times where and I used to track it cuz like you know he him and my mom broke up so he he hit the road he was a doctor but he got kind of chased out of Albuquerque um, chased out Like I never got the full clear story but I knew that he would what he would do is he would sign up he would he would get a job basically as an orthopedic surgeon in existing practices and do a, a year deal with them in these different places. So he wouldn't have to pay, you know, he'd have an office. He wouldn't, ha- you know, he would just enter an existing practice in these other towns and then he'd stay there for a year, but it always sort of kind of, it was the arc of his cycle. Like, you know, by the time he left, I got the feeling that the town wanted him to leave. Do you, <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like it was right around the time where the mania would kick in, he'd be writing. Letters to the newspaper and, you know, getting, you know, so I am. Fr- I guess what I'm just saying I'm familiar with the manic compulsion.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. But your dad
0: would say like, oh, I want a new life.
1: He I don't even think it was that conscious, mm. but I do think that's what it was that he would say we've got to go yeah and sometimes it would be like that night oh really yeah he'd be like we're leaving in you know in the middle of the night how many kids were there three that's crazy it was very it was was yeah. he in
0: trouble ever
1: he was never in trouble that i know of um, so he wasn't
0: like literally like we got to get out before they get me
1: no it was just more like i mean he would have like a reason always like Job transfer, or I'm leaving this job, or I need to, there's a better job here, or uh-huh. you know, something like that. But um, he loved to move, like, I've never seen him happier than when we were
0: in the you car, know,
1: getting, moving in motion. Know? Yeah,
0: that freed feeling. Yeah, starting over.
1: Well, you know how they call it, they call that a geograph. geographic, right? a geographic. Yeah, and so. If you, you know, and people change their hair all the time. It's a hair geographic. Oh,
0: oh, that's interesting. I never heard that. And you want to change. I've done, I've done some hair and, and clothing geographics in my time. Sure.
1: Me too.
0: Oh, my God. But you, but have you? You look exactly the same. <laughs> <laughs> for, for like Why are you yelling at me? <laughs> For like 15 years. <laughs> I could tell you, I could see Melinda from a half a mile away and know it was you. Thank you. It's a compliment.
1: I did do, <laughs> I did um, do brown hair once,
0: <laughs> and, Boy, and red big, hair. <laughs> big geographic. Do you even cut it though? Really? I did.
1: I did chop it all off once when I was like eighteen. Mm. Oh,
0: okay. Before I knew. Yeah.
1: You.
0: Right. So, but fuck, you can watch all my Conans and see like what's this guy got going on today. Haircuts, <laughs> outfits.
1: Did it change a lot? I feel like you look exactly the same.
0: I I locked in at some point. I yeah. realized like it's time to commit. Yeah. Thing. Well, I've had the mustache configuration for a while. I don't know if I had it when I met you. I don't think I had it when I got here. Maybe scruff, but not the mustache. I had long hair. Okay,
1: I don't remember the long hair. I feel like you've always.
0: I guess it was kind of short. You look right. the
1: same. I feel like you've always looked the same. Yeah, I,
0: I'll take it. I think it's about right.
1: Some people look drastically different from year to year.
0: Yeah, well, some people do the rebranding. <laughs> 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 you know, like, that guy's not working anymore. <laughs> I need a new hook. You know, that guy, uh, uh, what's his name? You know, he's a comic. He was on uh, Comic la- uh, Last Standing. Chris, tall guy. He used to be like, you know, he talks like this. He's from the South. Chris Porter. Chris Porter. He went through full rebranding.
1: What's the rebrand?
0: Just like, you know, the horn rim glasses, short hair. No, he's not. He's not like white trash Southern rock anymore. He's like like a comedy nerd guy now. Oh. Full full! He went full Jonah Ray.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess we're okay. we're allowed to evolve. Of
0: course, I'm a full full believer. So, all right. So you're going from town to town. What was it? Yeah. What were the cycles like? Every year, or tighter? It must have been tighter than that.
1: It really varied. Um, we We did live in twenty seven places um there were many schools um it's so rough it was it was definitely rough um and I feel like my formative years though were spent in Colorado springs, mm. which I kind of think of as home okay, even though I never visit
0: like high school
1: yeah, like. You know, ninth grade in there. And then we moved to a little town called Woodland Park, Colorado. And then we moved to Halstead, Kansas when I was, a, ju- when I was a junior in high school.
0: So you just kept pulling me out of high school, pulling me out of friends. So you're unable yeah. to really make bonds that lasted. Exactly. But like in terms of the bipolar situation, so your mom, was she just like a, kind of codependent in this situation? Did she have... A bat, did she have any sort of will or strength of her own in the face of this horrendous, I, I'm assuming, tornado of bipolarity? No. No.
1: <laughs> she um, was married, yes, definitely codependent, married at 19, mm. had me you're
0: shortly the first, thereafter. You're the first? I'm the oldest. At 20, she had you?
1: Yeah, 19.
0: At 19. Imagine
1: no. having a child at nineteen.
0: My mom was twenty-two. I can't figure it out.
1: Then she had two subsequent children immediately to my both my brothers, and you know. Was
0: your dad still in the military?
1: No, my was dad had returned from the navy. He was like twenty-six. He met my mom, mm. and they were married. They had three children. Yeah. My mom, um, <clears throat> had. Was an orphan. Huh. She was orphaned at six.
0: So she grew up in foster parents?
1: She was separated from her. Uh, she was one of six children. They were all separated at age six from their parents because her dad had PTSD, like shrapnel, in his brain from the war. And so he couldn't care for the children. Mm. And they, he would forget to feed them, like stuff like that. And so they, wh-
0: where was the mom?
1: the mom was there but she i guess had emotional breakdown i don't know if it was like
0: wow so your mom lived with this family this was li- her parents li- for six till, six till she was six so she was six so she was wired for she was wired. her future
1: exactly and they were out like you know <laughs> oh. she was like one of the oldest mm. her and her sister so they would like care for all the other kids so mm. they would like have to steal food to eat like that level before yeah. they were taken away. Mm. And then they were, you know, separated into foster care. And... Um, Holy Christ. She tells like the story that like they were in this orphanage and the highlight of the kid's day was like when this policeman would come around on his beat to the window and like do like a funny dance for the kids like they would gather around the window and like wait for this policeman
0: exciting live entertainment
1: (laughs) (laughs) his first uh, open mic Um, (laughs) and uh anyway so she was she was eventually adopted and by a very abusive alcoholic she ran away at 16 with her brother
0: the two of them Uh, were adopted
1: yeah they were adopted together By abusive alcoholics, and the alcoholic woman would just beat them up every night. I mean, this was before they knew about child abuse and stuff, and we knew about it. (laughs) And uh, but you know, kids, they don't know. Like we're supposed to report this, you know, especially being adopted. Right. So at one point, my mom was sixteen. My her brother was fifteen. Her brother was getting you know, beaten up or whatever, and he ran out the door to the police station. Yeah. And my mom ran after him. Yeah. And they were taken out of that home, and my mom went to live with her friend, and then she met my dad, like, you know, two years later. Oh,
0: my God. And he's back from the Navy, and he's got the bipolar.
1: Well, nobody knows that he has bipolar until years later. So my whole childhood, it was unmedicated,
0: so, like, well, what were, what did he go down, down? Like, I mean, like, depressed?
1: Yeah. Yeah. He would get, like, really depressed. And he was from, like, the good family in the town. So my mom was, like, really excited to be with him and a part of this great family. Cause my mom, like, in all Kansas. Yeah. In Kansas, Halstead, Kansas. Yeah. All she ever wanted was, like, a great, to be a part of a great family. But right? he's
0: from Halstead?
1: He's from Halstead, so Kansas. but Hutchinson
0: is just where you were born.
1: Right. So Halstead is close to Hutchinson. Right. Maybe it's like an hour away. But Halstead has brick streets.
0: Right. So he come from like the an old family in Kansas, rich family?
1: They're not rich, but they were very well well respected, the hills uh, of of Halstead. The hills Kansas. of Halstead. <laughs> yes. And you know all the there were nine children Catholic. Uh-huh. And they were all like the star athletes of the school. how many cousins do you have? A million. I don't even know. Hundreds.
0: Do you know them? No. (laughs) (laughs) None of them?
1: I mean, yes, of course I know them and remember them from many gatherings through my childhood. And my grandma always had like these fabulous gatherings with all the you know yeah. cousins and stuff right. but I'm not close. E- close
0: so this is like um, not that I'm psychoanalyzing but I mean this is like kind of rough to get any footing in the old sense of self I imagine <laughs> just kind of a walking untethered vessel <laughs>
1: That's the name of my next (laughs) special. Walking untethered vessel. Wow. (laughs) Yeah, truly. Truly. Yes, you're right.
0: (laughs) And you wandered out here somehow.
1: (laughs) Yes, I untethered. I, I blew in here from Kansas like the Wizard of Oz. Yeah. Untethered
0: looking for someone to tether you,
1: yeah. Looking to for show
0: business to tether you, yeah.
1: Looking to the most untetherable business <laughs> in the world to
0: parent you, <laughs>
1: yes. Like so many others, I know.
0: <laughs> I know. But what was that like? So, like, are your siblings all right?
1: They're great. Oh, that's, Mark. Good.
0: that's good. That's you a good story. You
1: look very concerned. <laughs>
0: No, I'm serious, like because you know you think of the three, like ha- coming from depression and and that kind of stuff, and talking to so many people, it is nice to to know that you know people get out. It's a good you know not only you but that they're, they're doing okay.
1: Yeah, I mean, for sure, it's it's inspiring.
0: Did you take the hit for them?
1: What do you mean? I mean, take were
0: you? Well, I mean, you're the oldest. Yes. So, like, were you more aware of like the insanity? Did were you protective of them? Like.
1: I was. It's really hard to, you know, live in that and want to protect everyone. And I definitely like wanted to, sorry, protect my mom and my brothers. Mm. It was a very turbulent household. So, um, you know, I definitely wanted to be able to do that. And I kind of like grew up kind of getting my validation in life by being people's counselor, hmm. you know?
0: Hearing people out and supporting people, like your mom sometimes?
1: Yeah, for sure. It was like always trying, you know, to save my mom and so help what, her. And
0: what was it? Was your father abusive or just out of his mind?
1: Both. He was a rager. Oh, yeah. So.
0: I know that one. That's, <laughs> I, I think that's why you... Always had a natural aversion to me. What <laughs> you're like? That guy's—he's monster in there. I can see a monster.
1: <laughs> I've never had a natural aversion to you, Mark. Okay. What are you talking about? Right. Is this an imagined?
0: Maybe, maybe it's slightly imagined. Are but you I
1: projecting.
0: No, not really, not really. I—I I, I was a you know I was a rager when I was younger. Yeah. So I—I I understand it.
1: Well, it's familial, right? So it's passed My old man, down. Sure.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, well, that's horrible. It's horrible. I mean, it's certainly, you know, a lot of what, you know, because I associate you with my ex-wife. So, and, you know, that was much of the reason why she left me, you know, was because of that. So, like, I'm familiar with it. Mm-hmm. And I and I know that the damage that it can cause because it's just so, it's so, um, like, especially with bipolar is like you can't help them when they're depressed they'll drain you that way and then when they're manic and they're raging around then they just you can't be close to them because they're going to hurt you right so you're just your whole sense of self gets all shattered
1: yeah i mean and it's just really unpredictable i mean it's it's so predictable but
0: you don't know when it's going to
1: yeah, happen. so he would be like the most charismatic person in the world, mm. and then alternately very depressed and sad, not talk- just
0: a, like a black hole, like, not talking
1: know. to anyone, mm. only speaking to the pets.
0: And they get that horrible look in their eye when they're depressed. That kind of like there's a like an almost kind of lostness, inconsolable,
1: Ugh, gone, not even there. Like there, but not there.
0: Right, right.
1: and then alternately. Extreme rage, like throwing the vacuum, like war zone.
0: Oh man, sorry you went through that. Thank you. So when and you, not
1: physically abusive, though. Thankfully,
0: that's lucky, though a little trickier to address the trauma.
1: It is because it's subtle.
0: Yeah, and it's 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 like a a period of trauma. Like I find, especially with the MDR, that if you have a, an event that you can start with and move through that's like that seems to be really the good way to do it but if you're just sort of like well my whole childhood okay so (laughs) that's a lot
1: that's a long
0: therapy session
1: (laughs) did you do emdr too? i have okay i do it now what was your experience what's your experience
0: well my buddy steve is a is one of the big Guys, practitioners of it, Steve Danziger. You know Steve? No. He's no. he's uh, he my sponsor, but he's also you know my friend. Cool. And he got he got hip to it a few years back, so he actually teaches EMDR. So he kind of we he told me about it and we, and he showed me how it worked. But lately, I've been you know seeing a therapist who does it, a friend of his, this woman, you know, in processing you know the Lynn's death, you know, in that you know specifically. You know, like last week or a week or so ago going through that last week of her life here, you know here,
1: oh my God
0: not knowing that she was dying and then looking back at it after she passed you know and my point and the you know the weight of that we you know we de- we we reprocessed that twice uh, you know the second time a couple of weeks ago, and it definitely helps
1: do you feel lighter or or you feel um like how is it making you feel?
0: Well, I mean, it's really about like you said, you know. Once you, whether you believe in the hocus pocus of it or not, because I think that EMDR is an uphill battle. Is come on with the buzzers and the this and that. Yeah, however, <laughs> you're going to do it, right? Yeah. It seems a little crackpotty. Right. But I, there is some science there, and they are having a lot of success with vets and PTSD and stuff. So for me, once I understood that the agenda was to kind of like open up whatever the, I don't know, do you know exactly how it works?
1: I, I think, and I'm paraphrasing, but it's been described to me as something like you take the traumatic memory mm. that you're currently reacting to mm. and reacting from that space in your life, mm. the historical trauma, and you take it and you process it in real time with yeah. this eye movement stuff, and it puts it into the right drawer in your brain so you're no longer reacting from that space
0: you're not constantly re-traumatizing yourself
1: right or perceiving circumstances to be historical
0: right so the the eye movement thing or the buzzers kind of uh, distract the brain in a way that you can pull this stuff out of your your uh, reptilian or animal brain where trauma plants itself yeah and move it into the more cognizant thing Kind of like almost spread it out or something.
1: Yeah. And and I think just processing those emotions of grief, of anger, yeah. of sadness, of fear.
0: Yeah, I like it. The process where you start with the thing and then, and then you do the buzzers or the eye movement and then like where are you at now? Yeah. And you kind of go through that like five or six times until you see where you end up. Yeah. Even that process without buzzers or eye movement would be good. Yeah. But with it, to answer your question... Um, Like I was, I kind of was compulsively going over all that, all the things that happened. Yeah. That week, not so much that I felt like I didn't do what I could, but I didn't know she was dying. Mm. So, you know, in retrospect, you're sort of like, ah, that maybe I should have taken her. Like, it's not a a lot of should have, would have, could have because what she had would have done her in anyways. But there are moments where, where like I, like they're just, you know, they just. You keep going back and you keep, so that, so by reprocessing it, it seems to have subsided a little. I don't revisit it.
1: That's really powerful to not be in that loop because that is yeah. the, that that's, I believe that's when it's, it's coming up for healing, right? right. So in doing this process, right. it's healing.
0: Right, so clearly what we're talking about is like a, a long period of different types of trauma, right?
1: Yeah, you know, I, I, what started happening was I started kind of hiding, like going underground, like wanting to have, you know, do my career and and getting this acting work and stuff. But I would start like hiding. There's something inside of me, like undermining me, Hmm. like trying to stay hidden where it just felt safe. And
0: like isolating.
1: Yeah, like you know, I I had Tiger Lily, and it was like crowded every week, and we'd have these great lineups, and
0: yeah, you started that room with Maria,
1: Maria Bamford,
0: and was it just you two?
1: It was uh, Maria Bamford, Natasha Legero
0: and you, and me, and the... Luis Feliz. and Luis Velez at the Cuban restaurant.
1: Yeah, um, I thought it would be a weekly show that would last like a month, and it just ran for ten years. It had a life of its own.
0: Right. So it's well, maybe we'll back up and back in, and then yeah. drive into the trauma. So when yeah. do you? <laughs> When do you run away from home?
1: Uh, so I left home three days after high school, so 18 years old. So you're
0: like fucking done. As I was soon, as, soon as you could.
1: Yes. I had to go. Mm. And I did feel guilty. I didn't want to leave my brothers there, but mm. I had to go. Mm. When you came here? No. So because we had been moved from Colorado Springs, where all of my friends were and yeah. my boyfriend and stuff, yeah. I wanted to go back and be with them for that summer. So uh-huh. I told my mom, I'm going to Colorado Springs for the summer uh-huh. with no intent of ever coming back. But she didn't know that. Right. So I went to Colorado Springs to try to, you know, be with all my friends well yeah. they've all moved on high school's over they're all right. going to college you know yeah. and so i'm just there like the loneliest feeling in the world like trying to
0: oh my god so you go back to to get some i'm gonna go back home where my <laughs> yeah. friends are and they're yeah. like in your knowing i'm gonna gone. get everyone's my gone.
1: teen years back oh,
0: and sad, they're gone Sad story. everyone's moved on wow
1: so i took this weird nanny job I had a scholarship. I had a theater scholarship to to Wichita State University. And I was like, well, I'm going to take 6 months off and take this weird nanny job.
0: Why is it weird?
1: It paid like 200 a month. Eh,
0: not much. <laughs> and you lived at the house.
1: <laughs> yeah. Okay. And I took care of these four children. Four. And I was like eight I was 18.
0: Crazy. Was it were the parents weird?
1: No, th- I mean, it was a sweet woman. She was a flight attendant. Oh, okay. She was always gone. Um, but I think I just took it in the moment because I needed like a place to stay. And then I just ended up staying there for like the whole semester. And then I was like, what am I doing? I need to go to school. And I moved back and took my scholarship. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so you went from taking care of your siblings to taking care of strange kids.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, I wouldn't call them strange. They no, were but, they were sweet. But...
0: but the caretaker role followed you around. Right.
1: And I'm yeah.
0: So you go to Wichita.
1: Yeah. So I go to Wichita.
0: And you get your theater degree.
1: I do a bunch of plays and a bunch of writing classes. And i that's where I got like a lot of, I mean, I had already been doing plays for years. So you went for
0: four years? You did the whole thing?
1: No. I did um, a year there and yeah. I did a year at KU in Lawrence. Uh-huh. Yeah.
0: Did you get a degree or no? No. Fuck it.
1: I went you I got some skills. I did some writing classes, got some skills, and then I came here and went to acting school. Where? Joanne Barron.
0: Joanne Barron. She's still around?
1: I believe so.
0: Hmm. Were there was there famous people who were her famous people?
1: Her famous people are like Robin Wright Penn. Mm. Um, that's all I can think of. <laughs>
0: hey, they all have one. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm sure there are many. I don't um, yeah. Did you go to acting school?
0: I, I did not go to acting school, but I did study some acting with um, Mark Howard in New York briefly. Okay. I, I took it here and there, but i never, never I would never say I studied for very long.
1: Do you feel that it helped you or you didn't really need it because you always uh, just play yourself, right?
0: Th- now, wait a minute. <laughs> I think that I'm a nuanced actor that does different variations. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I yes, don't know yes. how,
0: that didn't land well. well I
1: feel like a lot of comedians are such good actors and dramatic actors as well and then some really just they're just straight comedy right yeah
0: I don't know I didn't really do any acting until much later I mean it didn't really you know it was really here and there and I never sought, I never tried to do it because I always believed that there were just at some point there were just people better at sitcoms than me I'm not it's not I can't do it so
1: I feel I, like you're great. I think you're great in GLOW. Yeah, but
0: th- I w- that was like four years ago, right? So I was already... I was 50-something years old. I mean, that's really... The first acting job I really had was doing Marin.
1: I feel like, though, that's...
0: My late 40s.
1: But that's perfect. No, I'm not it's complaining. It's like timing. Yeah, I'm
0: not complaining. I'm just saying that none of it was going to happen. And it didn't happen. And I never... I guess my point was I never really put myself out there to be an actor. I couldn't handle it. Right. Because like I, I had so much invested in my own work to go and do like mediocre scripts and have these this garbage come out of your mouth and have that be your life and worry about whether you can deliver the garbage well. I mean, it's like fuck it.
1: Yeah. And I don't even think I had rep-
0: I don't even think I had representation for a decade. I mean, I think Dave Beck used to tell me that I had representation, but I really don't think I did. <laughs> What's that mean? <laughs> I just don't think I had an agent. I think I had yeah. I, every once in a while he'd get somebody to do him a favor and send me out a few times until I didn't get anything and then but I just didn't. I just stopped fucking worrying about it.
1: Yeah well that's when things happened, right no there wasn't about it.
0: It. when things happened is when I, 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 I fired Day Becky I lost everything Mishnah left me crushed my life I had nothing mm. and I and I didn't know what, to, what was going to happen that's when it happened not when I, I I gave up that's when it happened where I'm like I guess it's not going to work out that's when it happened not when I'm like I don't give a fuck but when I seriously was just sort of like it's over and I'm going to have to figure something out
1: I've had such similar experiences yeah. of just giving up.
0: Oh, yeah. And then
1: there's, there it is, you know? Right. But it's just giving up that plan and being like, okay, I guess Fuck. this isn't going to be a thing.
0: Well, yeah, but you've had so many things and so many things that went for a while that almost went. I mean, so, like, when did it start? I mean, because, like, you've, there's some things, there's things you created that went for a while. yeah. Like when did all that start happening? I mean, you've been plugging along.
1: I have been plugging along. I mean, I guess, you know, after acting school, my they have they have a little consultation at the end and my teacher was like, "I think you should go into comedy. You're mm. accidentally funny." Mm. You're doing these serious scenes and <laughs> everyone's laughing. To figure
0: out how to do it on purpose. Good luck with that. <laughs>
1: <laughs> That's my next special, accidentally funny. Yeah. Um, so I went to the Groundlings.
0: Oh, really?
1: Yeah. And I completely I mean, I had never even really seen stand-up mm. at this point. My brother was a huge comedy fan. Uh-huh. But um, I went through the groundlings. I learned how to write sketches. I Were
0: you ever in the company?
1: No. So mm. I advanced through all the levels yeah. to the very tip-top level. Mm. And then at that precipice, right before you go into Sunday company, I, along with 10 other people in our 12-person class, yeah. were cut. Oh, devastating and it was a very talented tremendously talented group it was like Mikey Day who's on SNL now. The and guys you got cut? Brian Keith Etheridge. Well Mikey was a I think they told him to repeat and Brian Keith Etheridge who's a big TV writer and um, Kristen Wigg, mm. and it was like a great group but at that point I was cut from there and I was devastated. Mm. Just I mean imagine like spending like every night going to these shows and taking all the classes and writing all these sketches
0: working towards this thing
1: working towards a thing and really putting your heart and soul in this basket holy shit and then the basket gets up and walks away so
0: first lesson (laughs) in show business what's the lesson there's it's not necessarily meritocracy it doesn't end well for many people and it's filled with rejection
1: that's right and <laughs> so at that time i well first i was like i'm quitting
0: oh, acting. Yeah.
1: i'm quitting acting yeah
0: we are you gonna forget it it's over yeah i guess
1: is kansas hiring i don't know <laughs> the
0: state yeah i'd um, like to apply to kansas
1: kansas do you remember me
0: <laughs> that's is the, it too late i'm there, sorry i left that's your next one person show <laughs> A lot of titles are coming up during this episode. Kansas. This title do you session. still remember me? That's a book. That's not a. That's not a comedy <laughs> special. That's a book. So you, anyway, you this, didn't quit acting.
1: I well, I did quit, mm. and I took a job at waitressing, and I. Out of the blue, this agent called me, and they're like, we saw you at the Grombling Show. Oh,
0: great. They dragged you back in. They're
1: like, we just put a voiceover bo- booth in. We think you'd be great at voiceovers. Uh-huh. So I went in and auditioned for this voiceover. Yeah. I booked it. Yeah. It ran four years.
0: Oh, my God. It won
1: the Emmy for Outstanding Commercial. Really? And
0: You made some money.
1: And, and I found out I got the job while I was in the bank. For identity theft, I found out I'd been identity thefted with all these checks. So I'm like waitressing at this job, maybe like 13 a night. I've quit acting. I, I like I've got these checks that people have washed my checks that I dropped in the Los Feliz post office, and I'm in there sorting that out. And my agent calls, who <sighs> sent me on one audition, yeah. and they're like, "You booked it," and I just thought it was like a spec thing. I was going to pay like 50 bucks, and it was yeah. like this giant commercial campaign for Citibank.
0: Wow, and how many how many spots did you do?
1: That was it. It was the OG original Citibank spot with the guy sitting in the recliner and he's had his identity um stolen by a valley girl. and that was me going like, first, I emptied the checking account and there in the day oh. was this sexy little outfit, you know that thing.
0: Yeah. I I just had to
1: have it, that thing. So that like ran. And then I was started doing stand-up because I was like, well. That thing
0: ran a long time, right? That commercial?
1: ran four years.
0: But that was back in the day where you made a little money on that shit.
1: Yeah, you made a lot of um, great money on those campaigns. And then I was doing stand-up and um, there was a. An agent in the audience from ICM Voice. So I got signed to ICM Voice, and then I was like working all the time in voiceover. So that happened right after saying I'm never acting again.
0: Voiceover. That's where you, that was the secret. Cause I was always sort of like, what does Melinda Hill do? <laughs> <laughs> I know she's doing stand up over here, but like, what does she go on the road? What does she do? <laughs> voiceover. Um, yeah, the secret voiceover life.
1: Yeah, I was doing, I've done a lot of voiceover, and then the grounding stuff really came in handy because it was like using all those characters and
0: voices, wow. and,
1: and then I started doing those in my act, and then, um, yeah, and then I got on Adventure Time uh, cartoon.
0: You did a lot of episodes of that. Yeah. That's great. Did you do it too? I did an, one episode, but it seems like they called you back all the time. You did a bunch of characters?
1: I did a few, like... Um, I don't know five, and then like when Maria Bamford was doing her show, they just would hire me to fill in for her voices. Really? Yeah, when she was doing it, because I cause oh I, she's
0: on Adventure Time a lot.
1: Oh yeah, yeah. Maria did so. Maria does so much voice stuff.
0: Oh really? I didn't yeah. realize. Yeah. Um,
1: do you do a lot of voice stuff? It seems like you would. I
0: don't. I do. I have done lately. I did a flying squirrel on Adventure Time. They, they, I, I, in voiceovers, they're not looking for me to have a lot of range. They want me to be what I am. Usually, mm-hmm. like I've just done two movies that are roughly different degrees of me. Like I don't do much of this, you know. <laughs> <It's>... <laughs> I don't do. I do
1: do that voice. No,
0: no, I don't do. Any,
1: I don't do any of this. Oh no, please don't. <laughs> But they're like, we went. The a- cranky
0: guy. We got a cranky snail. Yeah,
1: I offered you. Remember, I offered you a part in my my series as a as a uh, as the angry guy. Yeah. And you were like, I can't do it. And then <laughs> T.J. Billard did it.
0: <laughs> oh, good. Lucky you. I'm so glad. <laughs> so, when do? Um, now we're skipping over uh, some of the the gossipy stuff. We're skipping over personal life stuff. Because I remember, there's a lot of trauma in the world. Like the world was small enough back then, to where like when he broke up with what's his name and went with the what's her name, that there was like a big, there was there was a rupture in the community. What? <laughs> it's like what? She's not going out with what's his name, and she's going out with her. How, when did this happen? Do you remember?
1: No. What? What are you talking about?
0: <laughs> I just remember Dylan.
1: Oh, Dylan, yeah.
0: Like, you were with Dylan? And he was sort of a comic, right? Or an Dylan actor? Dylan was not
1: a comic. He was a very talented filmmaker. But he
0: was always with you. He was then my...
1: Like, yeah, he was great. And
0: then... And, and I, But I don't know how public you are about whatever it seems like you are. Are you? About. Because I... To, like, are you public about the Secret Society?
1: I mean, I feel like it helps
0: people. Me too. So I used to see, you know... You, him or at certain secret society meetings, because I'd go to both of them, because I was with Double Winner. We did, you know, I yeah. I was doing the codependent thing and the AA thing. Yeah. And all of a sudden you're down. You're not with Dylan anymore, and then you're with Tig, and everyone was like, "She's with Tig. When did that happen? <laughs> that went on for like years, so, though, right?
1: No, I was with <laughs> Dylan about, and there's some time lapse issues oh, in there that. Is? In, In my that. narrative? In your narrative. But
0: I'm sorry. I, was ha- I didn't keep up with you as fully as I should.
1: You didn't keep the best tabs. But what? yeah, I was with Dylan about two and a half years. Right. And then um, I left. We broke up yeah. and I left um, the Secret Societies and I started drinking.
0: Oh, how long did you get sober?
1: Um, several years at oh, that wow. point.
0: So how was, was it fun to start drinking again?
1: It actually was so fun. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, this is really helping other people. Not only does the Secret Society not work, but it's fun to drink.
1: So <laughs> no, it definitely was really fun until it wasn't anymore. Mm. And now I definitely prefer not drinking personally for me.
0: Are you back in the game?
1: Yeah. Oh, nice. Yeah.
0: And when did, eight? Congratulations. Thank you. I got twenty one.
1: You're winning.
0: No, no you're one winning. Wins. That's no amazing. One no one wins. It's just a day, man. Yeah. We just got today. Yeah. So, so when did the Tig thing happen? Are we like, just going oh. over that?
1: Well, I mean, what have you heard? I'll I'll fact check.
0: I haven't heard anything. I just remember like we were all sort of excited and intrigued that Melinda Hill is with Tig Notaro, and like a lot of us are like, "Wow, Tig's got game." She's a <gasps> player man (laughs) melinda what is how does it work what's happening
1: (laughs) people need answers (laughs) oh my gosh so funny um well that happened about you know yeah i guess around that time yeah Hmm. dylan and i broke up i'd always had a boyfriend doing stand-up i was with dylan the whole time so i was never throwing out some single vibe or anything right right um and uh and then, yeah, I, I, I started having uh, drinks at shows. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then I started, you know, traveling around the world, having drinks in other countries, trying all the drinks. Yeah. And, um, Good. you know, having the Mai Tai in Hawaii, mm-hmm. having the, wow. you know.
0: <laughs> yeah, you really got around, huh?
1: Having the sake in Japan, nice. you
0: know, yeah. having
1: the hot toddy in London. Why not?
0: How is all that happening?
1: Well, because I was, like, doing tours. We were doing tours for troops. Oh, Um, with TIG? No, no. I was on separate stand-up tours. Oh, okay. And then while I was on a tour uh, for troops across all of the South Pacific, uh, I was offered a job in London doing that show, World Stands Up, where they fly the comedians in from around the world.
0: And how do these go for you?
1: The tours? Yeah. I mean, you know, it's... It's the ultimate service, you know, being of service, bringing Kami to people on islands mm-hmm. and where, you know, they are starved for entertainment mm-hmm. and morale. So um, in that sense, it's a v- really wonderful.
0: When do you start this isolating thing? Like, it, was this a couple years ago where you start to have these these symptoms of of buried trauma or...
1: Yes. Yeah, so I, I so you know, I, I'm I'm doing Tiger Lily. It's moved to um the Gower Gulch. It's in that little corner oh, yeah. of the Gower Gulch.
0: Yeah. <laughs> no, I did it. I did it several times.
1: Yeah. You were there several times. And it would be it got really popular. It was yeah. like packed every week with these amazing comedians. Yep. And I found myself just like I would drive to go there and I either wouldn't put myself on the lineup or Or I would just drive home. I found myself starting to hide. I was like hiding.
0: I kind of remember that. Like you'd be there at the beginning and it was sort of like, oh, that's her show. It's your show. And then you'd go. Yeah. Mm.
1: And I just started to.
0: Retreat?
1: Retreat. Mm. And I started. What was happening with my writing was I started a storytelling show before that show. And I would start telling new stories. and, And then it was like that. The stuff from the childhood that I had basically blocked out my whole life, like I did, don't even remember most of my childhood, started to come out in these stories.
0: Before, before the same night as Tiger same Lily, I remember. Tiger. I remember, yeah. I, I think I do, did one of those.
1: Did you? Yeah, it was a great place to get new material. Right.
0: Right. Right.
1: And that's more my style it's more storytelling. Sure. And so I would get to generate a lot of material in the most no pressure way, in a way that you couldn't really do on Tiger Lily, Tiger Lily anymore because right. it was just such, you know, so many people were there. So I started to do these stories that were like really honest and vulnerable. And I think people were con- scared for me, you know, because I was starting to tell the truth on stage. It was coming out. About and they, your childhood. Yeah. Uh-huh. And I think it was just coming up.
0: To, Were you crying on healed? stage?
1: I mean, I think at one...
0: That's generally the, the point of concern when people are at a comedy show and the entertainer's crying. It's, <laughs> it's usually where they're like, is she okay? I, th- I think she's crying.
1: I definitely did cry once. <laughs> I definitely started crying. I'm a storytelling
0: show, so it's okay. You got a little, yeah. a little bit of uh, 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 room to cry in a storytelling yeah. show.
1: But it was like what's going on Mm. and I feel like it was just a need to
0: get the work done
1: get some work done
0: so you found a therapist
1: yeah and I was like had gotten become a regular at the comedy store around that time and um, I stopped drinking again and started going to therapy
0: so that was eight years ago yeah so you drank for a while yeah yeah Mm. You went through a lot of stuff. Yeah. Relationships. And <laughs> weirdness. Um, and you also did your codependent thing. Yeah. So now, you've eight years ago, you kind of locked back in, got sober. Yeah. You doing both? Double wintering it?
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah. I definitely need the help with relationships and mm. hm. letting others do their thing. You do your thing. I'll do my thing. Without
0: your help? Without (laughs) your trying to control them and help them?
1: Exactly. I needed help to stop being a counselor because that's not my job. And I'm not even that great at it. My clients are dying.
0: (laughs) (laughs) They're just gone. They're not dying. Yeah. But this was sort of the beginning of the process of... um, Dealing with your past, dealing with the trauma and putting together this special.
1: Yeah. When I went to EMDR, uh, you know, they uncovered the memories and there was like a memory from my um, childhood that like basically my dad had these rages and it was really scary. And none of us knew that this was like something he could get help for or anything like that. But I tried to tape record it on a little tape. Remember those old school... Like, yeah, the
0: Panasonics.
1: And I tried to we tape record it. you got recorded. hit the both buttons. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, you know, really young, four or five, and I tried to tape record this rage and like smuggle it out of the house to the next like big family gathering you to... You're just going
0: to play it around? Just walk around with
1: I it? I was just going to see if anyone was interested in representing <laughs> us with this tape. And... Um, <laughs> and so i and then i made copies and i was selling it later at comedy shows
0: no i'm kidding um
1: so i'm walking around my grandma's. i think
0: i got one of those it's called dad's mad
1: (laughs) (laughs) it's a hit Mm. um so i tried to leave it at my grandma's just as a cry for help Mm. that someone would like save us yeah uh, no one ever found it. Oh wow! And so that was a memory in EMDR. And then I later was like so scared someone would find it that I went to my grandma's, being like, um, you know that tape I left here. Right, it was a joke, right? Trying to cover up yeah. what was happening, and when I wanted anyone to get in trouble.
0: Right? Huh?
1: My grandma's like, I have no idea what you're talking about.
0: So that was the beginning of that was the the portal into the the trauma was that story
1: that's a story that we worked on mm. and there was so much in there of like believing that your voice doesn't matter mm. that you oh, aren't going to make any impact mm. so you might as well be quiet mm. um no one's going to save you mm. like that there's no help right and so like processing all of that and then just like you can see how that would play out right and sure you know, career stuff is like.
0: And everything, sure. You're
1: not going, you don't matter. Right. No one's gonna help. Right. So like really processing that and like, that and several other similar things um, was, it has made a huge difference.
0: It's great. And in, then also having friends like Maria, supportive people.
1: Oh my God, Maria's the best. Margaret Cho.
0: Cho's helping out too?
1: The best. Great. You know, I and just to be able to call people and say, like, how do you do this? I don't know. Like, what do you charge for this? Like, mm. how did you make this happen? And Maria's is the best because she'll just be like, you know, practical. She's like, do it in your living room. It doesn't <laughs> fucking matter. You know, like, and so a lot of this, like running the special, I would just say I'm running my special tonight at 6 p.m. in my living room. And people would come and watch, and I would take notes. What what resonated with you? What were you enjoying? And so it was really like that um, is
0: specifically a Maria process. Uh,
1: yeah, exactly.
0: It's kind of amazing how she does that. How you guys have made that that it's actually a practical system that you were able to use is it like why not do it like that? You yeah. know, I, I mean, you know, connecting's connecting, and if you're sort of completely reliant on oh, I gotta go to the theater, I gotta rent this. I mean, she will. She just solicits people on Twitter to sit with her for an hour.
1: Uh, Maria doesn't care. Um, She used to hire me just to listen to her new jokes which was the best job and I would just drive over to Eagle Rock and listen to her jokes and <laughs> she would do that from the road sometimes and now yeah she just meets people on Twitter and and she really... She'll
0: buy them lunch.
1: Yeah she'll buy him lunch and she'll just... what that does is it simplifies the process you know of mm. like you know instead of spending all this time promoting an appearance you're gonna have to make all this money to pay back or whatever how about just focus on the material right. and so anyway so that's a lot of how it came together in addition to doing like a million spots every well
0: that's very exciting congratulations
1: thank you so much um
0: and what's this movie
1: oh so yeah i'm doing um i'm doing a a, i did a movie called love weddings and Mm. other disasters and that is starring uh diane keaton jeremy irons Mm. it's coming out december 4th big part i it's one of my first lead roles in a film,
0: wow, with those big hitters, so you do are you, were you doing scenes with both of them?
1: No, they oh. had their scenes. <laughs> it's It's four different storylines., oh, okay, okay. so I'm in a completely separate storyline. Okay, okay. We filmed it in Boston for a month.
0: Wow, And it was no a kidding.
1: a wonderful shoot. Boston's a great town, as I'm sure you know. It's a really great script. It's It was a really fun part. And I, where's that going to be on? That'll be uh, COVID pending. I don't know what the premiere will entail. Yeah. But it will be everywhere, released from Saban Entertainment on December 4th. Okay. I had to do a Russian accent.
0: Really? <laughs> yeah. How did you do that? Did you buy a tape?
1: You know, Dennis said, don't do that. So it was really kind of unlearning what I'd done in the audition Mm. because I was doing a very funny character, like, Mm -hmm. from Mm Barry-type Russian accent. And so it was sort of unlearning that and making her a very real person who's, like, authentic. I got to use my Meisner.
0: Great. Did they have a dialect coach?
1: No, Nothing. You they just, did it. send me to um, a trainer. So I worked out with oh. a personal trainer because there were a lot of stunts and things that I had to do. like this a, character? A lot going on in this movie. <laughs> um, I am a, a Russian girl, um, Svetlana, who is trying to escape from her dark and sordid life involving the Russian mafia. Huh. And... Um, you know it's really funny, but you know she's really needs to get out heavy, <laughs> yeah,
0: okay, and but funny
1: it's heavy and funny, yeah,
0: and what have you been doing during lockdown? Are you doing voice stuff and-
1: No, um, I mean some voice stuff will come through. Are you
0: alone over there with the cat?
1: I'm alone with Stardust, and I've been writing a lot. I've oh, been good. writing a self help book and I'm writing a What's movie. What's the angle
0: of the self-help book? How
1: um, it's you, really you've
0: decided you can help people now. <laughs> like you, you've taken up the the mantle again. <laughs> you've got enough recovery. You're like, maybe I'm not so bad at helping people.
1: Maybe I should re revisit that counselor <laughs> position. <laughs> no, it's really just things that have hurt, helped me about like self love and empowerment and mm. um.
0: So it's on the level. It's not funny.
1: It's going to be funny as shit, but still like really helpful. It's kind of like a, it's a self-help vibe though. Okay. But I'm not pretending to be an expert in anything. I'm just sharing what's helped me. Right. And that's what the special is really doing too, is like, I'm really just trying to help free people from their abusive stories about themselves because they're just not true.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's a, it's a, Bad, uh, it's, 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 we created bad self parents when we were younger.
1: Yeah. You have
0: bad parents, but when you're younger, you don't. This is what I learned that changed my life in the last five years, maybe or so, is that when you don't get what you need from your parents, you assume it's your fault and you put in place a, a fairly, uh, probably negative self parenting system. Because you think you're shitty, because you you don't feel loved, or you feel whatever they're doing—emotional abuse, physical abuse—you know. However, neglect, overbearing, whatever it is—if you don't feel good in your skin when you're a kid, it can't be their fault because they're they're amazing. They're your parents, so it must be you.
1: Exactly, and that bad leads narrative. Yeah. Very bad. Well um destructive narrative Mm -hmm. and it leads to so many things right when you're trying to prove your worth all the time Mm -hmm. or for me it became workaholism like if i just Mm -hmm. achieve x more things Mm -hmm. then i'm going to be good enough or i'm going to you know and it's like not it when really it's like that radical self-love is just knowing like you're enough like in, you have inherent value, hmm. not contingent on any exterior. And that's what probably people with nurturing parents, that's yeah. probably the message they receive. Those but fucking since people. Those they motherfuckers, can not fuck themselves. They'll never be a comedian.
0: <laughs> never. They're just going to accept their dumb, boring lives, not like us, just tumbling through it.
1: <laughs> notice me, notice me. <laughs>
0: yeah, will you is be my? Thing? <laughs> is this enough?
1: Is this enough? And so it's just you know they say enlightenment yeah. is unlearning things. So a- enlightenment is really un unenlearnment.
0: Unenlearningment.
1: It's unlearning all that.
0: Is that a chapter in the book? Could be. <laughs> Better write that down.
1: <laughs> That's the next special.
0: <laughs> <laughs> a um, lot of specials. You got a lot of specials to do.
1: But, um, and yeah, and yeah, about Tig, we were just friends. Okay. And then we started dating.
0: Okay. That's fun though, right? You guys seem to have a good time.
1: We had a great time. Mm. And, uh. I'm
0: really selling it.
1: And, uh. <laughs> <laughs> and uh and uh you know but when you're drinking True. the best of times the worst of times
0: i hear you man um, I mean, but everybody's doing good
1: oh my god everyone's gosh. doing okay i i i love her i'm so grateful for our friendship we we did uh, i did her little comedy festival a few years ago uh-huh. and yeah she's great she's solid. She's solid.
0: Always was. And
1: Dylan's great too. Oh
0: good. You Dylan's guys are friends.
1: Too? No, we're not. But, um, <laughs> <laughs> but um,
0: He's doing okay, huh?
1: Um but Dylan is um mm. he's amazing, you know? Yeah. And he's doing great. Yes, he's doing great. He he has a wife. Good. She looks exactly like me.
0: Wow, he just never let I'm it kidding. go. I'm kidding. No, I'm kidding. No, Damn she's
1: yeah. beautiful, and yeah. and they have a beautiful baby, and wow. and I paid him back the money I owed him, and so you know good. all
0: this stuff, but he doesn't like you. You know all this stuff, and you're not friends. That's a little concerning. You check it well, up. Well,
1: I mean, how how friendly can you be with people who oh, are? You're
0: asking the wrong guy.
1: Are married with children. You know. What do you mean? Like I, you, you're respectful. You put from my ex
0: on your fucking podcast <laughs> specifically. To cause trouble.
1: What? <laughs> wow! Wow! Okay. You want to work it
0: out? You want Yes, please. Deal, deal with the resentment. Yes,
1: yes. You have a resentment? No, not really. I would love to know about that. Did that hurt your feelings?
0: You have to understand something. That woman, I've not seen her since two thousand seven. So oh. I've not seen her since we got divorced. I wow. don't zero. Right. Like nothing. Never ran into her. I would email her. I tried to make an amends, which she didn't really take. OK. Um,
1: what do you mean she didn't take it?
0: Well, we were going to meet and then she called me 20 minutes before and said, I can't fucking do this. You know, if you want to do it on the phone, let's do it. I'm like, I don't. So then I wrote her something. But like, I can't account for. Like, I can make an amends, but if somebody brings me up to her or, or she's still attached to me when on a Google search or something, that's not me. You know what I mean, and I just tried to not talk about her anymore, which I'm breaking my rule, but because I still think it bothers me. But I used to, I used to email her on my sober birthday every year and thank her for getting me sober.
1: Okay, which, which she
0: never responded to. Okay, until like a couple of years ago, she just said, uh, "If I want to hear from you, I'll let you know." And then I realized, well, <laughs> <laughs> so she's like ag- still aggressively <laughs> al anon but, <laughs> but. But there was it was a great <laughs> it was like, a. have you
1: ever had amends? Like, have you have you had more people not want an amends or is that the only one
0: you can do an amends, but it doesn't mean they have to accept it? I, you know, right. And, you know, and she's got look, she all all her reasoning is fine. But you just you're curious, you know, after a certain point. Of but course. like, you know, it's a weird thing. But that moment was very important to me because I realized like, oh, I'm that fucking idiot. Everyone's got that person that when you see them come up on your phone after a year, you're like, oh fuck. Yeah. Was that what does that person want? <laughs> like and, like when you <laughs> when you realize that like, I'm that guy, I'm the guy. Yeah. I'm that guy. Like yeah, she's got her whole other like she's really framed our thing as like this not a mistake necessarily but it's like we don't have kids there's not you know whatever the divorce all that but it's it has nothing to do with her life anymore she's got pretty babies she's got a nice life i guess and i'm just like this mistake or this process this whatever so that's well, so that's that i mean i can accept all that yeah you know, really but there is a there's always curiosity like i would love to run into her yeah but she would still hate me but that but whatever, I would still just like to see her face. Yeah. But that's all right. I know. It's been over a decade. You friends with her?
1: I am friends with Mishnah. I don't see her often.
0: Mm.
1: Um because, you know, she has her whole life. Yeah. Um and she's very busy. Wrote a movie. Um yeah. 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 Wrote a I think she's written a few now.
0: Yeah. Um, I know people are in her new movie. The, the comic book one or the one that's based on a video game or something
1: that's yeah
0: yeah
1: oh, i think it's a horror no that's right you're right and yeah. i you so you know but that's so great i just remember her always working so hard yeah uh as a you know writing yep. and comedy and so it's so great to see her doing all that um uh, but no i don't see her very i don't see hardly anyone very often
0: Well, no one's anymore. seen anybody anymore
1: yeah, but I. But yeah, what what was your uh, beef with the podcast?
0: No, nothing. It was just like at that time because like there was still like you know it took me a long time to sort of process all of that. Yeah. So I I just made it about me. I'm like, why the fuck are they? I know Jillian. Why why is Jillian Melinda? What well, they got to talk to Nishan for? Because there was some suggestion of me.
1: Oh really? During the what conversation. Was it? This is so long. I just ago.
0: sort. Of, no, I know. It was just sort of like, well, you know who I'm talking about. That kind of thing.
1: Oh, okay. Like I went
0: out with a comic. It was just some veiled reference. And I'm like, what is it? but in my mind, I'm like, this is about me. It's all about me. Yeah. But so, but it was nothing about me.
1: No, no. And we would never want to. Like, I'm friends with both of you, so I would never want to. Yeah. You know, disparage. And I don't know enough about anyone's relationship. I mean, but I guess everyone feels like that, right? Like I feel like that when I break up with public figures yeah people are going to be taking sides and
0: yeah yeah well there wasn't like i she just left comedy really and just became a writer which is i think what she wanted to do anyways but that's another thing i should do some emdr on that
1: i think it would be helpful because you know and i don't know how did you guys try couples counseling
0: it was like a hail mary pass okay is it too
1: late to revisit that I'm kidding, um, <laughs> but I was in couples counseling one time, and they said, you know, your um, when you guys are in a relationship, yeah. it's it's their parents, it's your parents are all in the relationship with you, so you're just like acting out of your triggers or whatever, uh. and um, and yeah, we keep recreating that until it's healed, right? So yeah. EMDR would probably be... Uh,
0: I just, like, it's not active anymore, and I really do have a lot of acceptance around it. But it wouldn't be bad to, to eat, to sort of... Like, when I think about the, like, you know, that moment of, like, I'm leaving, that, like, when she walked out of that kitchen and that was it, that's that's heavy.
1: You didn't see it coming?
0: No. fucking oh. moron.
1: Yeah. And you have, you have, like, I have a very rumination mind. So uh-huh. I can, like, keep replaying that, trying to.
0: Oh, no. I don't think about her hardly at all. You know, I, I just don't anymore. And it's a gift. I think that her writing that email was smart because it really put things into perspective. And I don't, you know, and I, there's no, and I know there's no reason for us to have a relationship or to talk or any of it. it doesn't, there's no reason. But I do think, in whatever fucked up way, that i was capable of i was in love with that person mm-hmm. you know it may not have manifested that way it may have been driven by a lot of other things but i i was right it might not have been healthy love whatever the fuck it was i, I but i did i like it was a profound event in my life
1: yeah because how long were you guys together
0: like seven years seven and a half years yeah
1: well when years. i met both of you you were always together
0: yeah she just like, but like it was one of those things where like my insanity just like she, by the time she left, she just hated me. So like that, there was no.
1: Well, I heard you describe that before. That you were kind of like just making her hate me. Well, you were making her <laughs> your everything, right? So you weren't. Oh yeah. You know, feel that when when you make someone your everything. It's a setup for disappointment, right? Dude, she got
0: me sober, and I yeah. grabbed on. I mean, yeah. what are the fucking odds of that? Yeah. But, like, I learned all this stuff after the fact. Yeah, of course. But there's moments where, like, I remember my emotionally abusive behavior, and I'm ashamed and sad. Like, I can see her looking at me in a way where I'm like, where I, when I feel that, I'm like, you, you're... It's, you awful person.
1: Wow. That's really deep, Mark. Like what would help alleviate that for you? I don't you? know. What do you think? What's your sponsor say?
0: I don't know. We've, we've, we've sort of moved through all that. You know, like the, the Mishnah book is closed. But that's an interesting question, though, for, for those two specific events. That moment where I realized that, you know, she did not love me anymore because of my behavior And the moment where she left me. Those are interesting points.
1: Yeah. Like, I
0: I don't know. I feel like they're behind me and I'm okay. But maybe I just stuffed them.
1: And maybe, I mean, what, when you, I mean, sort of rhetorical, but Mm. what could give you peace? I have peace. Around, okay, so you have peace. So what is.
0: I think there's a shame thing. I think that there is still a, you know, whatever the amends process gives me or however I have made a living in amends. I think I, I I'm ashamed of that man that I was, especially in that relationship.
1: Yeah. So, like, what is the, what's the I don't know I'll antidote? I'll ask. for shame.
0: To, to act better,
1: and well, to act better of and course, get, and let
0: yourself off the hook a bit. That Thank you. you. Th- yeah, that you did the pro- you processed it, you made an amends. You know, everyone's alive, everyone's moved on to their in their lives, and they're okay. So you know, at some point, you just got to say, like, "All right, you know, you you've you're better now," and um and you know, that was a bad time, and you made some mistakes, and you were sort of a shitty person, but you're better. What are you gonna do? Yeah. People change.
1: People people change, and forgiveness.
0: Mm. Forgive myself.
1: Forgiveness of yourself. Mm.
0: Yeah, I was a dick.
1: You know, I mean, <laughs> look, we all have been, you know, um, but, you know, it's like allowing yourself to rewrite the narrative moving forward.
0: Boy, I have been through and three lifetimes since then. Being
1: a different, how can I be a different person now? Like, that's all we have, right? And right. it's like.
0: That's all you can do. How can we. We're doing it.
1: Have you heard the acronym for Shame.
0: Uh, wait, should, um,
1: should have already mastered everything.
0: That's a good one. Where did that one come from?
1: One of the secret societies.
0: <laughs> 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 yeah.
1: I, I don't know. I, you know, when I wrote Dylan um, the amends, an amends via Facebook, hmm. not wanting to disturb him and his family. Um, he was like, hey, don't you owe me some money? <laughs> <laughs> so that amends cost me an additional thousand dollars. Mm. And you know what? I was happy to pay it because I was oh. like, thank you for giving me something tangible that I can do to get well, right with you.
0: One thing I don't owe her is fucking money. <laughs> <laughs> that, that I can tell you with full confidence.
1: <laughs> um, what do you think has helped you the most? Is it therapy? Or is it, like,
0: other other things? Like, what
1: helped with your rage?
0: Um,
1: That's a really big thing to turn around.
0: Well, just that, like, I, I, you know, I just knew, I just had to identify where it was coming from, you know, which was, like, this fear and, you know, insecurity about, receiving love or having control like i just somehow or another identified the source of it and what what it did and also you hurt people enough you you know you're sort of a monster if you don't take responsibility for that and you know it took a while to temper it but like when i was younger when i was just getting sober certainly during that relationship with Mishnah, i was just i was just crazy because i was man i was jealous and i was trying to control. And I and I couldn't believe that she would like me. So I was hating myself and projecting that. I mean, that has a lot to do with it. I think the more self-esteem I got from, you know, kind of pulling out of that relationship and finding some success in my life really makes a big difference.
1: Yeah, that you were like,
0: well, everything I worked for maybe wasn't for nothing and that like, I, I am good at what I do. And, and I, I feel okay about myself. Like, so a lot of the That filling in some of that self-esteem just from esteemable acts and from, you know, working helped.
1: Do you think that work started to come to you more when you had that internal switch or was it vice versa?
0: I just think like, you know, by the time I started the podcast, I'd really let go of the idea that I would be a successful comedian that would act all that stuff. I was like that that, I just I got to be grown up about this. And know that it's not going to happen for me and and accept that, and you know whatever heartache comes from that, and I've got to figure out where I go from here because I'm not prepared to do a job in any way, and so that's what and then started talking on the mic, you know, and I always did stand up, but I had to lower my expectations a great deal and believe it, really let it go that nothing was owed me, and that you know if it doesn't happen, that's just life you know. No one counts on that in show business. No one enters show business thinking they're not going to make it. We all think we're going to do something, you know. But but the percentage of times that that works out is small, relatively speaking. I mean, you can f- find your way, you can find your groove, you know. You can survive sometimes. So, but I knew I I couldn't. Like I knew that there was no way I could go on doing like stand up if I was just going to be. Like a B room headliner for the rest of my life. Like it was like there was a lot of dark visions going on. Yeah. But I just I just focused on doing the podcast.
1: I started one on my couch okay. during COVID. What's it called? It's called Let's Process This. <laughs>
0: and that's available.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's available. Um, I do it on um, IG Live. And
0: uh, oh, you don't put it up on iTunes? As a I podcast? do. It's, oh, okay. It's on
1: iTunes and everywhere, but it's just I couldn't really meet with people during COVID, so I just started doing it from my couch. Nice. Yeah.
0: And then you do you have guests on I, IG Live? Yeah. Okay. And you were able to record them?
1: Yeah. I mean, I'm not guaranteeing a great sound or anything. Oh,
0: okay. Got it.
1: But yeah, it's it's we're really talking about like how people are processing. Their trauma, okay. how they're healing from it, and how that affects their creative process, or how they're turning that into creative treasure. Oh, so it's it'll be like people who created a TV show. have had a few like showrunners and comedians, mm. and um, you know, just people who've turned whatever they've overcome around. Oh, good. Yeah, and talk about creative process, which I'm like so fascinated with creative process and healing process. Nice. Yeah.
0: Sounds like you're gonna open a school of some kind.
1: What? What kind of school?
0: A a therapeutic processing uh, space.
1: I wouldn't be able to start a school. That's too much admin for me. (laughs) I can barely do a podcast from my couch.
0: Okay, all right. Nice talking to you.
1: You too, Mark.
0: We're gonna cut about an hour and a half of this.
1: You can release that hour and a half as its own special.
0: Okay. (laughs) Thanks. Thanks for coming over. We covered it all. Again, she wanted you to know that she, she and her parents are good. They're good. She's good with her parents. Okay, her special Melinda Hill Inappropriate is available now on Amazon Prime, Apple TV, YouTube and most other video on demand platforms. And now I will just play a simple blues for you. A simple blues for you. lives, Monkey, LaFonda, they all fucking live.